All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, pretty much going to just jump right into it because it was a busy sports week. We got NFL football, college football, uh, championships or champion conference championships, I should say. Then we got baseball news. We're going to cover a little bit of basketball. So pretty busy uh, sports week, probably one of the busiest sports weeks of the year. So. Let's just get right into it. I don't think Matt's going to spend a ton of time on the Cowboys today because they won, and it was a big win at that. They destroyed the Colts in Dallas, 54-19. Um, I'm not anticipating a lot to say, but they scored 33 points in the fourth quarter. So, you know, I'm sure he, this we have a very happy fanatic, but Matt... The stage is yours. Take it away. How are you feeling after this week? Oh, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling awesome because that was a great, great performance by most of the guys. I will say that. But they did what they had to do, right? Dallas obviously coming in, uh, big favorites, playing a you know dismantled Colts team that's just in shambles. So you want to dominate and you want to, you know, just get get on them quick and unfortunately that didn't happen but the end result was a pretty convincing win um i'll take that any day of the week but i was a little concerned um with some of the some of the play in this game and particularly i'm going to start with this guy i normally finish with this guy but dak prescott was a it was a very deceiving box score to me. So if you didn't watch the game, you just look at the box score. It says Dak Prescott is 20 of 30. That's pretty good. 170 yards, really didn't pass that much. Three touchdowns and a pick. So to the eye test, it's okay, that's pretty good. His QBR was a 40. Now that's concerning for a guy who threw three touchdowns and one pick. And why, why, why is the QBR so low? Well, when I was watching that game, Dak Prescott was not good. He was not very good. We can start with the interception. It was a, I don't even know what he was looking at because Michael Gallup was the intended receiver. He was not even in the picture. It was Stefan Gilmore and a whole lot of blue shirts ready to run the other way. Things like that just cannot happen. I mean, the Colts, because they're the Colts, they didn't capitalize fully. They ended up kicking a field goal. But that was a gimme six points. And a good team would have cashed in on that play. And that was a, a huge momentum shift to me in the game because, you know, the, the Cowboys just couldn't put them away in the first half. Or I should say the first three quarters. But you allow a team that's playing with house money they got nothing to lose, and you just give them life. Like, that's the worst thing you can do as a quarterback. And especially on this team, when you're so good that all you got to do is take care of the ball and do the fundamental things, and you're going to win. Dak Prescott probably got away with another one, too. Um, it said the ball hit the turf. I don't know about that. It looked pretty good on TV, 
being an unbiased cowboy fan that I am, because you know, I just say what I see. And I saw that the ball was caught by the defender. And for some reason, the ref said, no, it was incomplete. And it was a terrible throw, like four yards behind. I think it was either CD or Gallup. I don't remember. But it was a lot of that. Like just Dak was just a little bit off on some of these throws. And we get into the, the big games, you know, late in January, obviously maybe February. We cannot have that kind of performance from Dak Prescott. That's a no-no. And, hey, that's why I've been the advocate of Cooper Rush, man. He's the most boring, best quarterback ever. He just takes care of the ball, minus that Eagles game. And he just wins games. That's all we need. Dak, you've become a turnover-prone quarterback since you've come back. That's not good. Not a good thing. And you probably should have more interceptions than your stat show. So I'm a little concerned with with that performance. But enough of the negative. Let, let's get to the positives in, in this game. So the Dallas Cowboys, obviously, to me, right now, they have the best one-two running back uh, combo in the NFL with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. And it was great to see them both play awesome. Pollard had 12 carries, 91 yards, two touchdowns. Zeke had 17 for 77, also added a touchdown. It was a ground-and-pound game. And that's the kind of game that the Dallas Cowboys need to stick to, no matter what the case. Even if they're down, stick to the running game because these guys, Zeke and Pollard, they're going to take us home, and they're going to get us to where we want to go to. A team, team effort of 34 carries, 220 yards, that's going to work. So 34... 34 rushes, 30, 30 passes, I'll take that. But probably the, the biggest thing on offense that I was very pleased with is Mr. 88, my wide receiver number one, C.D. Lamb. Not the, not the flashiest box score. Five catches, 71 yards, touchdown. But it seemed like every time he caught the ball, it was a big play. And oh, just so happened that it was when he was motioned. And that's what I've been saying all this time for Kellen Moore. Where is the pre-snap motion? Get your playmakers moving, whether it's Pollard, CeeDee Lamb, Zeke, whoever it is, get them in motion. And we saw exactly what CeeDee Lamb can do when you get him in motion and you get him in space. He is one of the toughest guys to tackle in space just because of how elusive he is and he was torching the Colts defense and that's what a wide receiver one does like he whatever everyone else wants to say yeah he's not Justin Jefferson but he's getting there he's getting there to me and I have no doubt he's going to be at that level by the end of the season because that's how good he is there's a reason why he's wearing 88 we don't just give 88 to anybody on this team. He's that dude. But let's get to the defense. The defense is great. And we did that without Micah Parsons. Kind of a no-show in this game. But the guys who stepped up, my young guys, Deron Bland, playing the slot corner for the injured Jordan Lewis, two picks, was just a ball hawk the entire game. I mean, he might be 
cornerback number two because we lost our second corner on the outside in Anthony Brown, which is also a huge loss for us. But Deron Bland is stepping up. I love it. And let's not forget Damone Clark. This dude was out last year. But when he was drafted at LSU, he was a high flyer. And we're kind of seeing that quickness at linebacker. Jabril Cox, obviously Micah Parsons. Now you got Damone Clark. It seems like we're kind of building a, a speed kind of core of linebackers. And I love it. I love it. They can cover left to right, north to south. They can go any direction. And I just love that these guys are becoming ball hawks to me. Like the ball is going to find them and they're going to make a play. And the defense was was pretty good. The Colts are not very good. Matt Ryan looks pretty awful, I will say. You get him, you know, a little happy feet and he's going to help us out. But I'm very pleased with the way that they contained Jonathan Taylor because that was the one way that they were going to beat us. And we held them under four yards of carry. And that's going to work. And he might be the best running back in the league. And if we can do that consistently, sky's the limit for this team. I mean, what can I say? We're nine and three. I don't know if you saw the clip on our IG, but you know, somebody was doubting me, you know, way back when we did our way too early season predictions. And Ooh, I was uh, laughed at. I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know, but I was laughed at when they said, Oh, Dallas is not gonna go nine and three. You're crazy. We're nine and three. Didn't and know the NFC I, was going to be this and, bad. All right. And I'm going to say we are the best team in the NFL playing right now. Maybe not record-wise, but the way that we're playing right now, it's on cloud nine right now for us. So I'm happy. It's nine and three. I'll take that any day. We got the Texans next week. We need to do what we need to do against them. That's all I'm going to say. Just take care of business. But great week. Let's move on to Houston. Uh, uh, I mean, obviously, it was 54 to 19, but like you were saying, it wasn't dominant until all the turnovers started happening in the fourth quarter. So I even I thought, you know, overall, I mean, the win was impressive. I wasn't, you know, pretty impressed, but. I don't think you're going to get those kind of turnovers every game. So to me, this is kind of a misleading blowout for the Cowboys. You're at home. You're against the Colts who are, I mean, just a disaster. But you took care of business and, you know, caused some for some turnovers at the end. So, ah, I mean, you, you, you got to be pleased with what you saw. I don't know if they're better than some of the other teams playing right now. Uh, I think the Bengals, you can argue. You can argue the Eagles still um, with how they're playing. But, I mean, Dallas is definitely a top five team in the league right now, easily. So, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll keep top it at five? That. Yeah. That's easy. it? E- I said easily top five. Minnesota is still... I mean, they beat a tough Jets team, right? The Jets are no joke. So, yeah, they're okay. Top five, you can argue. I mean, Kansas City just barely lost to the to the Bengals. Okay, one is a little much, but anyway. Uh, yeah, 
good good for the Cowboys. They did what they had to do. Um, yeah, I, I honestly I wasn't super impressed. But when are you not impressed with my team? Well, I'm not, al- I'm always impressed with something. That, yeah, I'm not. Im- I wasn't impressed per se because I know that they're talented. So it's you know what I mean. It's it's nothing out of the ordinary. It, this is kind of what I expected. Obviously. The three turnovers. Okay, maybe I'll say that. That's what impressed me the most. They were able to force all those turnovers without really Michael Parsons. That was probably the most impressive thing to me. But I know they're good. I've been saying they're good the whole year. Um, so I'm not shocked that they they beat the Colts at home. Wow. You know. Anyway, let's move on. <clears throat> so bad news for the other teams we follow. First want to talk dolphins and i want to just say this so i know what how it looks right they lost this was kind of their test game going up starting their you know tough december schedule and i'll just say first of all Tua did not play well he had a couple good moments but overall early on he was off i mean just not himself. You could kind of tell, not sure what was going on with him, but he's missing throws, routine throws he's been making the whole season. So he's missing guys high, low. Um, the first pick that he had, kind of tough to put on him. I'm on him. I'm not sure if you saw it, Matt, but Jeff Wilson fell down like he tripped as as to it through it. That's kind of a tough one. The second one was just was terrible. Uh, he was rolling out to Tyreek. Uh, trying to get the ball to Tyreek. And he's moving left. That's an easy throw for him to make. And he just completely misses Tyreek. He throws it like a foot and a half behind um, Tyreek's hands. And so that that was a pick. That was a bad one because that kind of pushed it, um, pushed the lead a little bit too much, I think. But, you know, they were still in it at the end. So it was good to see that the team didn't give up, right? Uh, the the defense did what they had to do in the fourth quarter, at least. Uh, even with all the turnovers that happened, so I would say this this is a good learning experience for Tua and the Dolphins, as well as Mike McDaniel. And you know they were still in it at the end. I mean, I know it was thirty three to seventeen, but if it wasn't for you know that fumble at the end, that they had to just go already and uh close catch i mean mike gasecki almost converted a fourth down for them late in that game that that would have helped them out so it was close i mean the niners defense is no joke obviously their offense is going to be questionable now without jimmy g we'll see what brock purdy can do i guess but san francisco's defense is tough and you know no teron armstead for miami this game and you could just see nick bosa flying off the line so i mean you kind of got to take everything into perspective. It's, I think this was a good loss for Miami. You could see even when Tua, you know, isn't sharp in the first half, uh, he still can find a way to keep it close. And I think that's what you want to see from him. So, but it wasn't a good game from him. Uh, but let's move to the other side. So obviously the Niners got the win. It was a big win for them, but right. They lose Jimmy G for the rest of the year, broken foot. I'm sure Micah now is devastated. Um, I don't know, Matt. This sick. 
This is going to be interesting. I mean, Brock Purdy played well in the spot he was put in, but it's different when teams start game planning for you, knowing you are the guy. I mean, he didn't really add like a running element or everything or anything. He kind of filled Jimmy G's shoes exactly how you would kind of expect. But moving forward, I don't I I guess we'll see what Brock Purdy's made of, but do you think the Niners need to make a move soon? <laughs> Or because well, Mr... the question is, who would you get? And I know there was someone that's released today, but, but outside of Baker, who else would you get? I mean, I, I mean, I think at this point, it's pretty or bust. I think so as you, well. You just got to hope that like he just doesn't make he's got to be like Cooper Rush, right? Just don't make the mistake. Get it to your playmakers. And that's what the Niners got a lot of them. You got McCaffrey, you got Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, a lot of options. So you just get them the ball and, and let them do the dirty work. You know, be a, a strong game manager. Be Jimmy G. And the one thing is, like, if you bring in a new quarterback, like, I feel like people don't take into account, like, they got to learn the playbook. Learn the playbook. It's hard. It's hard to learn a playbook in a week if you're going to throw them in as a starter. So you would be limited in that first game already. So you can't throw out, you know, maybe what, 40% of the plays. So it's it's tough. I think you just got to hope that Brock Purdy is, he doesn't play like Mr. Irrelevant, like how he was in the draft. He's got to be maybe a fourth round pick value. Yeah, he's got to be the guy. Just like a strong game manager. Strong game manager. I agree. That and... that's That's all you can hope for at this team as a dallas fan this looks good for me <laughs> yeah, because yeah. i'd rather have brock purdy than jimmy g mm-hmm. as an opposing team yeah but i guess we'll see if what what brock purdy is made of because this, that's a brutal loss for the niners um but you know they still have a really good team and that defense is no joke like they are fast and they fly around you know, they're probably right up there with the Cowboys defense uh, at this point in the season, I would think, uh, especially with Nick Bosa back. So that would be one to look out for. But, yeah, got to keep our eye on Brock Purdy. But Miami fans, Tua fans, don't worry. It was one game against a tough defense. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, anyway, moving on. Next game, we'll keep it this one pretty short. But Bills, Patriots, uh, you know, Buffalo took care of business in New England. And I think the story, yes, you know, Buffalo looked good. They did what they had to do. But the New England offense, something has got to change next year for them. And I am not a New England fan. I'm not, I don't hate Mac Jones. But when people started saying like, oh, he's like way better than Tua and stuff last year, I was like, okay, let's let's like pump the brakes here, right? And so now we're kind of see, seeing at least that scheme matters, coaching matters, and talent around you matters, right? Mac Jones, offensive line, not great. Weapons around him besides the running backs, not great. Who's calling the plays? I don't think anyone really knows, right? So these were all almost exactly the same things that are happening to happening to Tua 
his first couple years in the league, right? They had Cole offensive coordinators last year. Uh, they had one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. So I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's funny how the media like runs with their narratives. But I don't know, Matt. What what is gonna happen to this New England offense? Because with the way they look, I don't think they're making the playoffs this year. And no, I think some not. changes are coming. But I don't know what they're gonna do. It's <sighs> like they don't want to spend money on receivers. They don't have a well. They they did corner. spend money, didn't they? Spend money like two years ago when they got like Jonu Smith, right? Hunter Henry. I think and they those, went on a on a spending spree that they that are season. solid guys. I I think I truly believe Hunter Henry. Actually, I really like John U. Smith Me because too. he's fast and mm-hmm. he he's like more physical than like a Darren Waller, right? But I don't. I never hear his name in New England. I don't, I don't understand why. I don't know if they need McDaniel's. Maybe McDaniel's just goes back again to New England. I don't know, but something's got to happen. Um, in New England, because even I'm starting to feel bad for Mac Jones with what they put around him. Like, dang man. Um, and he's he's voicing his frustration on the side. Mm-hmm. They had that clip. He's yeah, like he, cussing at. I think it was Patricia, right? He must have Matt well, Patricia. Whoever's whoever's calling the plays. If it is Matt Patricia, <laughs> I think that's what at least on Twitter it said. Yeah, but oof. Uh, but unfortunately now Miami. Well, you know Miami. As long as they take care of business, they should still make the playoffs. They're gonna need Buffalo to lose now, but you know, I I'm not worried about Miami, New England. This is a big loss for them, uh, but at least the Jets lost and the Chargers lost, so they're not really losing any ground there. Um, uh, yeah, I guess the AFC is gonna stay a little bit closer than we all thought. They're just uh, losing inside the locker room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, all right, next game, Chiefs-Bengals. I know this was like one of the primetime games of the week, but I was trying to, I was following the Miami game. I think you were waiting for Sunday night to come around. <laughs> so weirdly enough, obviously Burrow-Mahomes, right? That's probably one of the next great rivalries in the NFL. But I watched the last drive and... Uh, if I'm the rest of the NFL, I'm a little scared because they got Jamar Chase back and Joe Burrow's offensive line held up enough at the end. And Joe Burrow looks like to be himself again, finally. You know, I know he was looking rough at the beginning of the year with his appendix, right? He had the surgery. But the throws he was making to the receivers to put away the Chiefs at the end yeah, watch out, everyone, because the Bengals are coming just like they did last year. They might get hot and make a run at it. So, I don't know, Matt. I I think the AFC needs to watch out because I think that's the sleeping giant that's starting to wake up right now. Yeah, going on that third down throw that Burrow made to ice the game, that was, that was the throw of the game. For sure. To have the, the guts to throw that over the middle of the field, I think he squeezed it into, like, maybe two or three defenders to Higgins mm-hmm. on just a ridiculous throw to me. Dak would not make that throw. He would throw a pick and we would lose. Okay. Well, to be honest, just saying, I mean, that was a lot that's of like, like there's maybe five quarterbacks, maybe yeah. that can make that throw in the whole league, in the whole world, I should say. So 
that was an elite level throw in that situation. But yeah, I think it's just Kansas City. I'm telling you, they missed Tyreek Hill, man. Uh, it's just that lack of explosiveness. I know they got speed, but Tyreek is just different, right? I, I think we can both agree on that. And just that lack of a explosive threat. I mean, they're still good. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. They just seem not as mighty this year, like a little more beatable. But I guess and we'll, the Bengals they played we'll without Mixon too. Mm-hmm. So imagine with him when he's healthy. Who knows? Oh. And they were running too. I mean, they gave P Ryan twenty one carries. That'll work. Yeah, and they're do right. I mean, what we've been calling for this whole year when they were struggling, right? Through that that stretch, they need to just run the ball, take some of that pressure off Joe Burrow. So now they're doing that. Yep, they got Jamar back. He looked good. I mean, he almost made an insane one had to catch, just landed out of bounds. But he looks like he's back. And if this team stays healthy come playoff time, I know Hayden Hurst got a little banged up, but man. That's not the team you want to see get hot right before the playoffs. So I think the AFC needs to be very, very careful, especially Baltimore, who I think with how Baltimore is playing right now, I think the Bengals are going to catch them. And I think they're going to win the division now. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, Okay, well, we'll talk about the last game of the day. So that was today's game, the Monday night game. And... Obviously, cheering for the Falcons only because of Marcus, right? I was hoping that the Saints pulled this one out so it would stay even. But, you know, I guess it's just in the script. You When you play against the main character of the NFL, you lose these types of games, right? Up 13 points with, I mean, at one point it was three minutes left. And... Sure enough, Mr. Brady, the GOAT, comes out, does his thing. One drive, boom, boom, down the field, touchdown. But to me, the Saints, unable to pick up a first down. And you're throwing on third down. I mean, they didn't, terrible even, they didn't even end up needing the timeout. I get it. Right? But just to not even force the timeout at the end i i just don't get it um and that defense had to have been gassed because they got had that long drive there out on the field all the offense needed to do was probably get one first down i think one first down with like two and a half three minutes left right probably over so i mean nfc south is gonna do (laughs) nfc south things (laughs) And uh, it's not for sure yet, but I think Mr. Brady will be in the playoffs, which is scary for the rest of the NFC. I don't care how bad they look. I think that's something no one wants to see, especially you. So how do you, you must be a little, you gotta be a little worried, right? Tommy. So Tommy's in the I, li- I like Tom, like he's my favorite quarterback, but I, I was cheering for the saints because <laughs> I'd rather face Marcus than Tom. That's a simple question. When it comes to the playoffs. So uh, I'm not going to 
you know get all hyped i mean they yeah, did score there, seven, it's, it's it's not for 17 sure. points there's still a lot and they scored 17 in. points yeah and like they're it's not, not even like in. they're not even in yet yeah but the saints it's just this it the saints just got their number i think we know that the saints defense mm-hmm. at, at least but to me this should not even have been close because i think they had two turnovers as well so that saints defense played lights out to me i mean those last two drives I think they were just on the field a lot. They were, they were pretty gassed. So, um, tough one for the Saints. Tough one for the Falcons. And, uh, yeah, I guess you're not too worried, but come on. The GOAT, there's always a little, there's always a little worry oh, yeah. when 12 is on the, other, on the other side. I, right? I respect Tom Brady. And that's why I was cheering for the Saints, because I don't want to see him. I'd rather see Marcus. That's a That's a no-brainer to me. But the Saints, man, they just they just couldn't they couldn't help you out. They couldn't help me out. <laughs> ah, just their offense, man. Brutal. Brutal. I mean, Mark Ingram too had that one play. It was like a, a bootleg by Dalton, throws it to Ingram. And he like goes out of bounds. But it's like he went out of bounds. Two things wrong. He went out of bounds and he was short of the first down. So it was third and one. You stop the clock. And for some reason, they call it like a quick slant that goes incomplete. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, you guys wasted over a minute just by going out of bounds and the play calling. And then you have to punt. And then Brady does Brady things. I mean, who Julio thought, Jones. Right? If Julio Jones is back too, he had a huge, he had, hey, a he huge had some, catch. he had a nice catch at the oh, end. Oh man. Come and on, Godwin man. looks, looks a little better from, yeah. from the beginning He's of the finally year. Finally getting so. healthy, I think. But man, come on, man! And he got his he got his little slot receiver too. He always needs like a Scotty Miller, Scotty Miller, whatever. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, please come on, don't do this to us. Again. He's got a tight end now, Kate Otten. He's pretty solid. Yeah. So, I mean, and they got the, he got his regular back in Lenny, and he has the, the receiving back. back. Yeah. Oh my god, it's. It's all coming together for him at the wrong time for the rest of the week. <laughs> but yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Um, and even I'll just touch on it super fast before we get into the um, free agent stuff. But yeah, the Falcons, man, it's just brutal. I like I, the Falcons have lost. Their last four losses have been a combined 22 points. So it's uh, it's all one score games, right? And really, like, I mean, I look at their schedule and it should, they could easily, easily be like seven and six at the very least, right? They blow a 13 point lead to the Saints or oh, I mean, it might have been 20, I forget. Blow a big lead to the Saints in in the opening game. Uh, then you can look at the uh, Chargers game where their defensive lineman fumbled the ball after he picked up the fumble. That was another game that, honestly, Atlanta should have won. Then you go to last week when they throw on a second and goal at the two- and it gets that was the worst one. And it gets batted and picked. And then 
the this game um on Sunday where I mean the game was right there for them and then sure enough penalties come back to bite them and they can't get a stop. I mean lose by three. It's just four games, Matt, that should be honestly should be wins. And so I mean they're what five and eight now. But nine and four. <laughs> oh just but even if they had like seven wins, could you imagine just two out of those four games? You don't blow two out of those four games. You're seven and six leading the division. And they should have beat the Bucks, I think. The and they should have beat the right. They got robbed. We don't even talk about that one. They got robbed on the roughing the passer call on the regular tackle. So you could argue five. I'll even cut that down to four. That their own mistakes, whatever coaching, uh, players, time management, whatever. Like it's so brutal. But you know, I mean, Falcons fans are jumping all in on Marcus, obviously. Because they have Ritter, I think, like, if you don't have Ritter, there's no noise, obviously, right? I mean, you look at all the quarterbacks across the league that are not in great situations, but you don't hear all this chatter. Take Andy Dalton, for example. I don't hear anyone saying, like, yeah, we want Jameis. I mean. (laughs) They might. I mean, they might, but, I mean, look at what the Panthers did. They rotated through three guys. and. (laughs) <laughs> didn't really change much, right? <laughs> so, I don't know. I think uh, I'd be surprised at this point if Marcus starts next week, or I mean after the bye week against the Saints. But I think if the Bucks lose, he's gonna start. <laughs> if the Bucks <laughs> lose next week, I think he's gonna start, and I think that'll be his last chance for the season. And to just cement, give him a shot for next year at this point. But, um, yeah, I'm just so frustrated watching. I can't even talk about it. <laughs> it's the life of the Falcons fan, you know. And I've, I'm, the I will hope, I hope he leaves. I hope he leaves because I cannot root for this team anymore. <laughs> I can't do it, man. It's brutal. Maybe he should I, just go back up to a. <laughs> yeah, that, that's you know that's literally what I was saying. He should just go to Miami and back up to a. It'll be a win-win that I have one solidified team <laughs> and I can just call myself a Dolphins fan. God. Um, but yeah, speaking of those three quarterbacks that are rotating on the Panthers, they, they cut Baker. So kind of interesting this late in the season to finally cut him. But I'm not sure where he's going to go at this point. Um, You know, we floated the Niners out there. If I'm John Lynch... And Kyle Shanahan, I am not touching Baker. <laughs> not not a necessarily as a knock to Baker, but he doesn't know their system. And, you know, I feel like the quarterback has a decent amount of responsibility. I know they run a lot, but it's a lot of quick throws, uh, on-time, accurate decision-making. And just at this point, that's not what Baker is, right? He's a gunslinger if when he's most effective. He's going around running around, making plays. I don't think that's him. So, I don't know, Matt. Where does he even go? Do you think anyone even picks him up this season? Truthfully, there's only one team. That's the Niners. Like, isn't it weird that Jimmy G gets hurt on Sunday? He's out for the season. Baker asked for a release today. Hmm. Like, 
I don't know. Is this is this part of his like a master plan for him to like I, rejuvenate his career? Because hey, if you play with Kyle Shanahan, like yeah, you got a chance. That's how you that's how you boost your stock. So I don't know if this is something from his camp saying that hey, this is your chance to you know to shine and to I mean, play on a on a playoff team. You're right. It would be good for Baker, but if I'm the Niners, oh yeah, if I'm I the Niners, be real careful, man. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, I'm not even talking about, you know, the personality that he brings and, you know, all his antics off the field sometimes, what he says. So, and honestly, I, I'm not even, I'm really not even considering that stuff. It's just this late in the year, you're going to make a playoff push and you're teaching your starting quarterback how you, how to run the offense. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, I agree. But I, yeah, I guess we'll see. And then let's get to the last bit of uh, juicy free agency news, though. So Odell spotted. First of all, he had his visit today with Dallas. And he was spotted tonight watching the Mavs game with, I think it was Trayvon Diggs. And, and Parsons. Michael Parsons. So they're getting real friendly. And <laughs> if I'm Odell, yep, this is the that was the final uh, calling card to... Uh, go to Dallas because come on do you really want to go to the Giants I mean I know you're from there I know it's New York but I am taking Dak over Daniel Daniel Jones personally I don't hate Daniel Jones but I'd rather have Dak as my quarterback and CeeDee Lamb on the other side you know I mean it's great to have Saquon in the backfield but who's gonna help you know on the other side of you Darius Slayton is the wide receiver one over there now so I'm sure you're stoked. Ooh, I I can like already taste it. Like he's there's like no way that he doesn't come to Dallas. The only thing is what is going to be the deal that he gets. That's the thing. I don't need Odell. If I'm going to assume Odell's going to sign, so I don't need him to be hundred percent now. But hey, if you can be effective by let's say Christmas Eve when we play the Eagles, or at worst. Just contribute something to us in the playoffs. That's what we want. That's what we need you for, the long run. We don't need you to play against the Texans or the Jaguars. Like We need you for that stretch run. And anytime you add a weapon like that, you never know what this team can do. And they're dangerous right now. And I can't wait. I can't wait for that star to be on OBJ's helmet. I can feel it. All right. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But... I think he's going to the Cowboys, too. <sighs> All right. Well, that was a good NFL segment. Uh, we'll stop it here for now. Come back. And uh, let's talk some college stuff. College football. So, we'll be right back. All right. Let's get right into it. So college football now. We got the championship weekend that just happened. A lot of upsets. Or, I mean, a couple big upsets, I should say. And a pretty big shakeup in the CFP top four. So let's kick it off with the Pac-12 championship. Utah versus USC because Oregon lost to Oregon State last week. I had to just bring that up one more time. Uh, Thanks. That was for you, Blaze. Um, so 
watch the game. Actually, watch it with Blaze. Uh, we were <laughs> we were watching the USC game, and I don't know who you were cheering for, Matt. I don't know if you're on the same boat. Cheer for USC because it's Pac-12, right? No, you're. Nope, I was Utah. You were Utah, but so you're not. You're not with the whole like. It's good for the Pac-12 if USC gets into the CFP because it helps with the money and yada yada. Um, I yeah, I'll, it's a little bit of both. So I do want the Pac-12 to to do well, but at the same time, with the new um format coming out in a couple of years, like, eh, does it really matter at this point? And also the main reason I can't stand USC, I really can't. I don't like Utah either. So it's like it's like a worst of the worst. But yeah, USC just does not sit well with me. So I had to go for Utah in this case. Okay, well, let's talk about the game because I thought, you know, halfway through the game, this was going to be the crowning and cementing moment of Caleb Williams's Heisman resume. And it was looking like it early, right? 14 to 3. They were going fast. And I was like, oh, it's going to be a blowout. And, uh, you know, turn on the game. And it's like, wait, it's close now. Wait, they're, are they down? Wait, why is Caleb li- Williams limping around everywhere? So I don't know if you, I'm I'm assuming you watched. Did you watch the whole game? Most of it. Okay. So Most of it. can you tell me which play did he get hurt on? Was it that long run that he had and he slid? I didn't see, see, I didn't see the, the leg injury. I only saw the one that he hurt his hand when he cut his 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 uh his throwing hand. Okay, see, I didn't even see that. So one. I didn't even see. So the whole time I'm watching, I don't know, maybe I went to the bathroom or something, but like the whole time I'm thinking, you know, what is this guy doing? Like he hurts his finger and he's acting like he's limping. Like what is this guy? Like who does he think he is trying to get sympathy from the rest of the world? Like no way. You ain't getting anything from me. So I I Truthfully, didn't even know that he had an actual leg injury I'm pretty until sure, after. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So he had one. He had this long run, and he like yeah. slid, right as he was the defender was closing in on him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that like tied him up the wrong way, because he even like you could tell late in the game with the Caleb Williams we've seen this whole year and even last year, right? He's a well, at least how me and Blaze were saying. He's a little Patrick Mahomes-esque in the way that he can run around the pocket, make plays, and throw the ball down the field. But when the rush started getting home, he was like it it was like a Tom Brady kind of he's only taking a couple steps. He can only shuffle in the pocket. He couldn't get out and create. So I think that really hurt USC's chances a lot. But yeah, and you know, to uh, Utah's credit, they took advantage of that. And I got to say, USC's defense and their tackling was, I, is oh, that, that how they always all are? All time bad. That was No, their defense is not good. I know their it's defense not is good. not good. But I, especially, you know, going to the fourth quarter where it was still kind of within reach. Just the Utah, it, it was like four bodies were needed to to make a tackle. Like they're just about. Utah guys are just bouncing off defenders like nothing. I'm like, oh, there's a stop. Oh, no, that's five more yards. Oh, there's six more yards. I'm like, what is going on? It's, I think it was, and I got to give 
of Blaze credit on this one. So he actually pointed this out to me. But when I noticed after he said this, you know, he was saying that the USC defenders, you know, it's more of a coaching thing because every time they're trying to tackle the guy, it's like they're trying to strip the ball instead of just trying to bring him down. <laughs> like, like I, oh, like four or that. five guys, they're just trying to they're just trying to rip the ball out. But they're the Utah guys are bigger, stronger. Like you're not gonna get them. Like you gotta tackle low. Like all those guys are tackling high, trying to strip the ball out, and then they're, they're just, just trucking them. They're just yeah. <laughs> It's like basic fundamentals. And when you're facing a bigger dude trying to tackle, you don't tackle a guy high. Yeah, you don't go up You go for the leg. Henry. Yeah, you, you go for his legs. <laughs> like that's tackling one-on-one. <laughs> you probably learned that in, in peewee. Like, what are you guys doing? I mean, just poor. That was, that was bad. And hey, it's Lincoln Riley. That dude exactly. gives no rats about, about defense. So... Never been a fan of him, honestly. But yeah, that's 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 USC. They're gonna have explosive offense, but if you can't have a stable defense, you can't win a championship. Whether it's the Pac-12 college football playoff, not gonna happen if you don't fix up that defense and especially tackle. I mean, even if it's a you know, you don't even need to have the greatest defense to me, although it helps in college football but even if you adopt more of a bend but don't break kind of defense right like mm-hmm. just play yeah. cover to the whole game don't let any big plays over the top happen let them get down into the red zone right and then try to hold them to three because your offense will explode mm-hmm. on pretty much anyone you face right so i don't know if like what exactly is the problem but as long as your defense, and this is generous, but you hold them to 30, <laughs> 30 or less, I truly think you have a shot uh, if you're that USC team. So I don't know. It's I was just so blown away as I was watching. And I do remember Blaze mentioning that about the sh- like going for the ball because I was like, I have never seen such poor tackling. Like even UH. Yeah, UH is better than that. <laughs> like, honestly. Better than, like, at least if we see our problem is getting guys on the ball carrier, right? That's the problem. But yeah. I mean, even when UH gets guys, you know, a guy on the ball, at least they'll like slow them down to have other guys come and help. But that was just, I was mind blown. So anyway, that pretty much killed it for USC. After I saw them lose, we knew they were out. Then it came down to TCU, right? And uh, TCU goes down too to Kansas State, who has been kind of tough the whole year as well, right? And um, I mean TCU though they just kind of look like a one man show, <laughs> right? Uh, what's his name? Max Duggan. Max Duggan, Duggan or bust. That guy gave it his all, and like even at the end, he was gassed. <laughs> he didn't oh, want anyone God. by him. How does he have anything left in the tank already? But you know, obviously they lose in overtime. They can't get that fourth and goal. Uh, and but they're still in somehow. I I guess mm-hmm. we'll just let's just get right into it because you know the game it was close, right? At least Kansas State was ranked, you know, pretty decently, and they didn't get blown out or anything. It was a close game. Went into overtime. So 
you know, TCU lost. My initial thought was, does that mean Nick Saban and Bryce Young are in the CFP playoffs with a with two losses? And I don't think the committee could could stomach the, the two losses, right? And and let Alabama in, even though you could argue they're better than Ohio State. Um I don't know, Matt. Uh let's just get in right into the discussion. So Georgia's one. We got Michigan at two, TCU at three, and Ohio State at four. So that's the that's the final um rankings, right? And Alabama is at five, I believe. So they just missed it. And I want to hear your thoughts on this, first of all. Because, I mean, the one and two were given. But mm-hmm. Ohio State at three and TCU at four, how are you feeling? Uh, you know, I, I have I have a problem with the way they did the rankings. And it's the way, because what we saw, right? We saw USC go down and we saw TCU both go down. Now, why does USC drop to 10 and TCU loses and they don't drop at all? Like, when does that happen in any ranking I was surprised in college well. football? If you lose a game, I don't care if you lose to number the number one team, you're going to drop. Yeah, even if it's <laughs> maybe like not a lot. One and yeah, two. But you don't drop at all. Like, I that that's not right. Like when when does that get a why does TCU get a pass for that to me? Like that's that's not right. You gotta call it like how you've been calling it forever. If you lose a game in college football, you drop in the rankings. That's that's just plain and simple to me. And if it was me, this would have been my ranking. So Georgia's one, Michigan at two, Ohio State at three. So you get the matchup of Michigan and Ohio State round two and Alabama should have been number four against Georgia. And that would be a good game too, because I think Georgia could lose to Bama. Probably not, but reigning Heisman trophy winner against Georgia defense. Hey, you never know. Bryce Young has that, that clutch gene, that whatever, that magic pixie dust. He might've pulled something off. And I just don't, I'm not a believer in TCU this year. And I, I like Max Duggan. I think he's a you know terrific story. One of the Heisman finalists. We can get into that. But like you can you gotta be penalized when you lose. And it, it's like, who did they play? Kansas State? They had three losses. Three losses and you're undefeated and you lose and you don't drop? Like, that's not right. <laughs> I got a problem with that. So I think the committee messed this one up. They messed this one up big time. Yeah. So Okay, I want to get back to the point you made. So, about the Ohio State Michigan, because to me, okay, let's say I'm I'm the committee, right? And if we're being honest, it's about views. We care about mm-hmm. views. We care about money, right? How are you not gonna put Michigan Ohio State as when you have that potential like sitting right there in front of you, and it wouldn't even be that questionable of a decision to me, right? Because exactly. that's another huge game that that might even be more exciting because Michigan won again this year, right? And Ohio State has kind of been big brother for the past how many years, and now Michigan finally has some momentum two years in a row. Now it's like, oh, 
But guess what? Ohio State has a chance again for revenge. And it's a, it's fresh, right? You don't got to wait a whole year. It's within a couple months. So first of all, how are you not going to make that happen when it's it's sitting right there in front of you? And because if we're being honest, you put Ohio State at four, they probably lose to Georgia. So they don't even get to face Michigan in the you know championship, which would be crazy, right? And I... To me, it it also comes down to strength of schedule and performance, you know, against ranked teams, you could say, right? So Alabama, okay, Alabama has two losses, right? But I don't think anyone is talking about how close their losses were, right? So who were the two teams Alabama lost to this year? They lost to a ranked LSU team by one point on a two-point conversion in LSU. And then they lost to then, you know, number one team or eventual number one team at the time, Tennessee, who's now ranked sixth by three in Tennessee, right? So those are close games. They, I mean, they lost both games by a combined four points on the road. So, you know, they're dominating... You know, most of these other wins, they had a couple close scares, but to me, it's the Ohio State loss where they got absolutely blown out by Michigan at home. At home. You lost their the big rivalry game at home, getting blown out. It was 22 points. And, you know, even some of their other wins, the Ohio, the Northwestern game, not that impressive, right? You can look at some of their other games on their schedule. It's kind of little bit closer than maybe it should have been even the Maryland game they didn't look great in the first half so I, that's to me where I I don't get it if you're gonna base it on strength of schedule um because to me I I didn't want Alabama to be in and I'm you know I'm usually pro Alabama but I was like ah you can't let a two last team in and then I was like oh wait who did they lose again oh yeah the number six team now by three in Tennessee and LSU by one in LSU. So that's, to me, the bigger, like, logical flaw in all this that I just don't get. To me, this is just the committee saying, I'm not having Georgia-Alabama again in the in the, <laughs> in the the playoffs. We need some something different. And I really think that's what it came down to. And going oh. to your point on ratings, I think that would have been perfect. For ratings, Georgia, Alabama. I would, pull, I would watch that. They always pull huge ratings too. So yeah, like no offense, but Michigan, TCU. I don't really want to watch that. Like I'm pretty sure Michigan's gonna stomp them, even without oh. quorum. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I guess we'll see how it turns out. But if Alabama ends up smoking who, who Kansas State, I think they play, like. That'll be all Nick Saban needs to show right there. Yeah, should have let us in. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's get to your Oregon football. So I guess you have a little bit of news. Do you want to touch on real fast? Yeah. So, you know, this disappointing season is going to end in the Holiday Bowl. Yay. 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 Against North Carolina. But... The good news is Bo Nix will play. So, I mean, he's getting, you know, a few weeks to recover from his ankle injury. But to me, the big news is now they're starting to, you know, get some talk about 
Bo Nix coming back for next year because he has a COVID year option to come back to school. So for me, I could, truthfully, I could care less about the bowl game at this point. I just want to know, is Bo Nix coming back or not? Because if he comes back, we're going to be right in the middle of the playoff mix again. And I want him to come back because truthfully, do I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback? Probably not. So come back to college and finish what you started. The only reason why we did not get a successful season is because of that injury. I think he was hampered, obviously, against Washington, which we lost. Uh, obviously, with OSU, he was hampered, couldn't really move. That was a big, you know, difference maker in that game. And then, you know, the first game, yeah, we lost to the defending champs, Georgia. You know, kind of throw that one out. We weren't the team yet that we were. So I think Bo comes back. Second year under Dan Lanning. Hey, I, I this team this team's gonna be good, but it all depends on him. So that's the big news. We just need to know, Bo, are you coming back after this holiday, Bo, or not? Please come back, please, please, please. <laughs> we need you. We need you. But yeah, let's let's just get this bowl game over with. I'm done with the Oregon Oregon season. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, tough season for you, but like you alluded to earlier, so 2024 will now be a 12-man playoff, or 12-team playoff, excuse me, and that'll be interesting. I want to see how they manage the games now. So are we still playing 12 games? Did they release that yet? I don't know. I think they said that it's, there shouldn't be an issue with the schedule. I think the season's now going to finish... I think this year's championship is, I want to say, like the 8th or the 9th of January. So they were saying that the championship would be like January 20-something, like early 20th, maybe. So about a week, week and a half longer, which is kind of expected. But I I don't think the schedule is going to change too much. I, I'm not too sure about how the, the format is. So I know they have you know, your traditional semifinals and the bowl games. But I know that initial round is going to be played at the respected fields for the teams in the playoffs. So, you know, getting that higher seed, you know, with football is is pretty significant. You know, that home crowd, home field advantage matters in, in football to me. So it'll be interesting to see how teams handle that. But I, I like it. Now I think Oregon should get in in 2024. They better, because a Pac-12 championship means you get in. Yeah, and then it's less about leaving good teams out to me. Yeah, like even if they expanded it to eight, I wouldn't hate it. But it's it's always to me like this year is a prime example. Alabama should be able to compete for a national championship. As people. People may not want to hear that, but their record and their their two losses in the manner in which they lost, they are a good team, and I think they deserve to have a chance, right? So I, I'm excited for this 12-man because maybe this opens the door one day for a non-Power <laughs> 5 school such as maybe the, an undefeated UH team to have a chance 
in one the year day, 2050. One day in our lifetime, Matt. It's happened once. Maybe we can strike lightning again. Or lightning will strike again. Sorry, I'm too excited. Maybe lightning will strike again. And maybe, just maybe, one day in our lifetime, <laughs> we will be able to compete with the big boys for a national championship. That would be amazing. So good for everyone. Now we can finally see all these other non-power five schools have a chance. So I'm excited for that. Um staying with college. Heisman finalists are out. Uh I mean we got Bennett, Duggan, Stroud, Williams. I think it's Williams either way. Uh I don't know, but you think you think so too? He's gotta be, right? Yeah, I'm surprised they had that many um, finalists. I would thought they would have picked three. I think I don't know about Stetson Bennett. I mean, he started hot, but eh, doesn't have the the flair to me. Yeah, I mean, he is a Even winner. Stroud, Stroud kind of faded at the end too. He faded, he faded. I would have put Corum, Blake Corum. Mm. I think that the, the, he deserves to be a Heisman finalist. He was running all over college football this year. Mm-hmm. I agree. But it's just the Caleb Williams. They're just they're getting a free ticket to watch Caleb Williams get his trophy. Yeah, I agree. If it's Sadly. not Williams, I'll be surprised. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, okay. Well, last bit of college football news. Deion Sanders, primetime, going all the way to Colorado. Kind of interesting there. And he had an interesting little introduction. So, he's already announced that his son, Shadur, I believe that's how you say his name, will be the starting quarterback for Colorado. And I think he's already telling some Colorado guys to transfer, if I'm not (laughs) mistaken, because he's bringing some Jackson State guys over, right? So, I think we can uh, assume Travis Hunter, I think he was the number one prospect in his class, will be going over to Colorado. This is going to be interesting. Uh, Primetime, you know, he's bringing some flash to Colorado. And maybe some recruits with him. So, I don't know what to really think of this move yet. I thought he would stay at Jackson State a couple more years, right? Really solidify a legacy for himself within the HBCU um, football community. A little bit more. I know they want back-to-back now, but... I was thinking he'd stay like maybe five years or so and then maybe start to transition. But I mean, he has the opportunity, so he's going for it. And it'll be interesting because he'll definitely get recruits, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe we'll turn around Colorado. He turns Colorado into a winning school. Then we see him. Could you imagine Dion at one of these big time schools? Right. I mean, that would be. Cause is he a Florida? Was he Florida State? Deion's, I, I think so. Yeah. Cause don't quote me on that, but I want to say yes. Cause uh, they need some some coaching as well. They actually did pretty good this year, though. I mean, they had a strong finish oh. to the year. Well, it's, yeah, it was better than uh, <laughs> like the McKenzie year and all that. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that Dion interview was a little, little strange. 
I don't know. Did you see the clip on uh, Pat McAfee? He was like, oh, like, we're not going to have any any phones, any hats. And then they showed like the guy in the back. He takes take off his hat. <laughs> like as soon as he said that, it's like, oh, they already know. But the whole transfer thing, I, I don't, I think people are kind of going out of context on that. I think it was more of like, if you're not going to work hard, get your butt out of here, go in the transfer portal. Cause yeah. he's going to establish his culture that he wants to, to bring into the Colorado football program. I think people are kind of taking it a little too, too crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. you can't you can't have everyone transfer. You're not gonna <laughs> have a team. Yeah, um, I I like what he did though at Jackson State. You know, he really emphasized oh, yeah. the culture of you know it wasn't just football with him, right? He was making sure you know everyone went to class, right? He made sure, you know, they're not causing trouble in classes. They're going to class. They're sitting at the front. They're being attentive, you know, representing the program and the college in a respectable way, which is, I think, is really good, especially, I don't want to say nowadays. I'm going to sound old, but, like, I feel that hard, tough-nosed culture uh, in the youth, I don't see as much anymore. Uh, at least just from some of the other coaching or, you know, things that I've seen with how some people treat social media, for example, uh, so loosely and, you know, kind of not people not thinking like thinking <laughs> before posting stuff, especially athletes. Right. So I think this is a good thing and uh, I'll, I'll be rooting for him because I hope it works out. It'll be if prime time is a big time coach in college football, that's just good for college football in general. Right. So I don't know. I think it'll be pretty interesting. So hopefully it works out at the end. Okay. Um let's see, moving on here. So Hoy basketball had a tough loss recently. Oh, uh I didn't watch bad. the game, but they only scored what like 50 something points. And, that was uh, awful. <laughs> it was awful. I had a front row seat to that. But really, the only thing to talk about is, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, the ending of the game. The oh, last, how was that game? The, the oh, last that game? three seconds of the game. That's all you got to talk about. Because the first 50, what, 59 minutes? I don't know. How many? For 39 minutes was uh, a bunch of bricks being thrown up by both teams. That's the summary of the game. But, you know, three seconds, UH is down by five. Noel Coleman makes a three on the inbound, cuts it to two with about 1.8 seconds. Texas A&M Commerce, the inbound, the ball. It's a contested pass that gets deflected. It tips off the ref. Javon McClanahan gets the ball, steps back, shoots a three. And we're like, oh, my God, did we just win? But you faintly hear the ref blow the whistle as soon as he felt contact with the ball, assuming that the ball was out of bounds. And the call was reversed. UH, you know, keeps possession of the ball, but you know, now they set up their defense. They get a pretty decent look actually uh, for a win with Kamaka Hepa coming off a screen for a three, but he left it short. Tough loss, but 
I don't know, man. I know UH deserved to lose. Like that was the worst game of the season. But as a ref, like he panicked. He just panicked. Like the ball wasn't out of bounds. So why are you blowing the whistle? And there was no foul. Like you're a college referee, you got to be able to to keep your composure. Yeah, that one. I don't know if the I don't know if I was getting under the ref's skin. You know, maybe he saw me like screaming. I don't know. Maybe it was Hunter. I don't know. I don't know. But you can't. You cannot do that. That's that's not good for college basketball. I think the ref just had a he messed up. It was yeah. He he panicked. Yeah. But I will say, maybe this can be a good thing for UH because. They were supposed to win, and they didn't. And it was a, it was awful. <laughs> it was an awful showing. Uh, Gina, we can, there's a lot of a lot of bad things. Coleman wasn't great. Samut, something is wrong with Samuta though. Like just mentally, he's just not not there. Like he just lost his his confidence with uh, you know, his offensive game, and it's sad because he's turned into a, a contested jump shooter, and it's like that's not the Samuta that we knew, like. We know him catching lobs, you know, throwing down dunks, you know, getting to the basket with authority, and he's missing that that step. So I don't know if it's the injury. He's still not 100%, but he's he's not there. And McClanahan, he was back to Jovan that everybody's used to, to you know, the big O for. He could have been the hero, though, if he, the ref didn't blow the whistle. But, yeah, just not a, not a good look right now in UH – as usual, every year can't make their free throws. So I just think it's it's it it should be a good learning experience for them. I still think they're gonna win the conference, but they have a tough, tough opponent on Wednesday, their first road game. Uh they play at UNLV. So that's a good test. Probably not gonna win that game, but I wanna see them compete and play with a top-notch basketball program. So I'm excited to see how they they handle the road too. Because that's a big animal that they need to accomplish and overcome. Oh yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting for sure. So let's go, Bose. Um, all right. Well, let's cover these last two topics first, really fast. I want to say the Lakers are winning. Oh my god! <laughs> I am, they figured it out. They figured out what to do. I am surprised, but not surprised because they're winning because. We have been of what we have been saying for the past seems like two years now. Anthony Davis is playing like a number one option and a quite frankly, right now, a top five player in the league, which we know he was and is capable of. And he's showing it now. He dropped 55 the other night. Big win. Uh I'm they're on a road road trip right now, but they had a big win against the Bucks as well on friday and you know they're figuring it out i am pleasantly surprised that westbrook has figured it out off the bench as well he is leading that second unit and i couldn't be any happier uh for him lebron is i mean he's doing lebron things right but we're winning and i'll take it any way we can get it but right now it's on the shoulders of ad uh and I'm praying to the basketball gods right now, please let AD stay healthy enough this season to 
get us into the play-ins, and please let him be available in the playoffs. Amen. There we go. Okay, so I had I said that. That's my <laughs> prayer it. to the basketball gods because right now we go as AD goes. And, uh, yeah, I'm stoked about that. Oh, all right. Well, that's my basketball one. So, good job, Lakers. Uh, but we got to get to some some baseball news before we end this pod because there's some big news, pretty sad news for me, and maybe a little bit for you. But I'll just list them, and then we'll go off of it. So, DeGrom, huge five-year, $185 million deal Jeez. to the Texas Rangers. Uh, big deal. Texas got their ace now, and DeGrom's going to be making a lot of moolah with no state tax. Interesting, the Mets offered him three years at 120, but he declined. So what do the Mets do? They go out and get uh, reigning Cy Young winner, Justin Verlander. Two years, 86 mil, not cheap either, but you you pay for uh, the Cy Young and Kate Upton in the stands. Third, uh, we'll go to Trey Turner. So the one that probably, this is the one that crushed me the most. We didn't, we weren't able to sign Trey. But I don't know if we're going to match 11 years, $300 million. Uh, Yeah. So congrats, Philly. If you can afford them, they're stacked now. Uh, That offense, uh, it's kind of scary to think about their offense, actually, from one through nine. But that's a big hole that the Dodgers now are going to have to fill moving forward. Lots of shortstops out there we can get into and um we re-signed Kershaw so that was a nice little caveat when you're 20 million and let's get to the next item on our list that Matt is absolutely stoked about I'm sure uh Brian Cashman resigns re- not resigns resigns <laughs> so you got to put the break in the middle resigns with the Yankees as the GM for the next four years. Much to the disdain of the fanatic. Hopefully that means he'll go after Judge. I don't know. You already got your guy at IKF coming. Back. I mean, that's a that's a default. Like, I don't care who the GM is. You better go after Judge. Uh, Gosh. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and then Brian Reynolds requested a trade. The Yankees are looking at. Is that the is he the second baseman? That's the that's the Pittsburgh outfielder. Oh, outfielder. The all-star. So I don't know. That better not be, oh, we're gonna get Brian Reynolds, so we don't need Aaron Judge. Like, uh no, 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 no. Let's not forget we have Harrison Bader next year, too. He's under contract. So he should be our center fielder. So you know, Brian Reynolds is a center fielder, so how's that gonna work? <laughs> Yeah, and I think we are both officially praying, praying that Aaron Judge does not go to the San Francisco Giants. No. Please. No. Please, no. no. I know he went home and he went probably is talking to people and whatnot, exploring everything. Mr. Judge, if you're going to not sign with the Dodgers, please go back to the Yankees. <laughs> I can't take seeing you in the division. The Padres already loaded up with Soto. If you go there, come on, man. Let keep stay out of the NL West. 
there's too much too much star power going around there. <laughs> there's only one uniform that Aaron Judge should wear. He's already worn he wore it the past seven years. It better stay like that. It better stay like that. Yeah. Cause we ain't going nowhere without him. <laughs> I don't care if we get there's rumors at Bogarts, Carlos Rodon, Brian no. Reynolds. I don't care any of these other free agents. We're not going to go anywhere without Aaron Judge. Like, it's more than just the stats. Like, he's the heart and soul of the team, of the city. Like, you can't replace that. No amount of money that can replace that to me. So, you get him back, everyone's going to get a fresh breath of life, and you can build from there. Maybe we can get Rodon. Maybe Bogarts. I don't know, but we'll see. But you got to get Judge. Got to oh, get Judge. I'm scared now that we're going to get Correa. It's going to be Or Dansby. So, I'd rather... I hope we get Dansby. Or even Bogarts. I don't care if Correa is better. I'm going to be <laughs> sick to my stomach if I have to cheer for Carlos Correa <laughs> in a Dodgers uniform. I don't want to do it. Don't make me do it, please. Anyone but Correa. I... I'll take Gavin Lux as our shortstop. I'll take it. Just I can't do it. Wow, that's that's pushing it's it. It's gonna hurt <laughs> my heart, Matt. I just can't. Oh. Anyway, um, yeah. So it was pretty spicy today, Trey. I'm sorry to see you go. Um, but I I hope you stay healthy in Philly, and don't come back to bite us in the butt in the playoffs. <sighs> All right. Well. We got a lot. That was an action-packed episode there, Matt. So why don't you sign us off here with our uh, sports All right. day. Staying on the baseball topic. So December 5th, 1978, free agent Pete Rose signed a four-year, $32 million contract with the Phillies. And by then, he was the highest-played player in baseball. Oh, how times have changed. <laughs> how times have changed. They're making 32 mil in one year now. Um, but yeah, we will stay posted on more baseball stuff as they come in and, uh, you know, we'll just see you guys next week. Thanks again for listening. Uh, everyone have a safe weekend and, uh, we'll see you later.